0: Hey, everybody. Absolutely stunning news over here this week. We have a video version of this week's episode available on our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash night. Go over there, sign up at any tier, and you'll have access to it. Once again, that's patreon.com slash night. Now, enjoy the show. Sean, where, where are you calling in from? Where where are you right now? Which part of the world? I am in New York City. New York City. Look at that. Wait, what part of New York,
1: Sean? Harlem. Okay, I don't know shit about Harlem. It's a very cool neighborhood.
0: If you had to guess, Jarek, what part of New York is Harlem <laughs> in? If you just had to guess, yeah. <laughs> like, give me give me a direction: northeast, southwest. Okay, okay. So
1: I took the train all the way from Brooklyn, basically all the way east towards the wa- west east towards the water right mm-hmm. and we got off there's a
0: lot of water surrounding brooklyn could have gone either direction yeah
1: right it was like at sunset park and so my guess is that harlem is north above sunset park
2: <laughs> well it's not
1: above sunset
2: park it is north but it's in manhattan north oh it's like
0: just above central park essentially
2: I'm on the Upper West Side of the Upper West Side, above yeah. the neighborhood Upper West Side.
0: Right. So people are going to be able to
2: zero in on my location pretty precisely. <laughs> yes. like,
0: what every public figure <laughs> wants is, is,
2: is releasing the home address. I do feel safely semi-public enough to know that likely no one, although I'm at that scary level of someone who might, might be really somebody to be afraid of.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. Like if
2: you're finding it through this and you want to come visit me for some unbeknown reason, then I'm a little bit frightened. But yes, a little bit frightened is sort of the daily
0: for me. <laughs> Luckily, I think I think if you just say your neighborhood in New York, they're big enough that it's gonna be and there's enough apartments and stuff that one would hope. One would hope. I think so. You know, I am reluctant, I don't know, Susie, how you feel, to even say my neighborhood. In LA. Oh
3: no! I was just thinking, like, yeah. if someone wants to find you, they'll find you. They don't need the podcast. So that's right, uh, percent. Yes. Yeah, you inevitably being a person of the public will attract someone with mental health issues who might start stalking you or something. It's just a general percentage of the population. It's just how it is. So yep. yeah, yep, yep, yeah, yeah. I suggest everybody look up what to happen when you get stalked and what to do.
2: <laughs> right. That's wise. Yeah, and maybe it hurts a little bit that I don't feel stalked at this point now. Where I'm like, yeah, you know what? <laughs> I think it's good.
3: So it's nice. good Come on. They might be quiet. You don't know. They yeah, that's still be true. There.
0: Yeah, the, the, the really good ones you don't know are even there. That's right.
2: <laughs> well, I can live and let live with most things. So right. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> so that's where I live.
0: <laughs> Jerk, I want to hear everything about your experience with New York City. So as, as a Hawaii guy... I the opposite of where you grew up is pretty much New York City, right?
1: I love New York. New York's fucking amazing. Um yeah. my best friend Gino lives in Brooklyn, in Bushwick, and he loves to go out. Like I will just like look at his Instagrams and he's like out to like five AM and then he mm-hmm. goes home and like disco naps and like hits the rest Dis- of the day.
0: Define this term. Disco, disco nap? <laughs> disco nap. Everybody on this call is younger than I am. Sean and Susie, are you aware of the term disco nap? Is this something you've heard before? I've heard it.
3: Yeah, it's just a term I've heard. Yeah.
1: Which means? I just take it as like a a power nap, like while after you're dancing. But I I love New York. The bread is great.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The number one thing New York is known for (laughs) is its bread scene.
1: Something's in the water over there, dude. Okay, literally every time I pull up to New York, to Brooklyn, I will hit the bodega downstairs from gino's apartment and get a chop get a chopped cheese and it's like the godsend
0: honestly there is nothing better than a bodega sandwich yeah like there's just something about it that it's just dialed in in a way Mm -hmm. that other sandwiches are not and i i fully agree with that yeah it is
3: the water i've heard yeah yeah like actually sell like the bottled water that you can buy to cook with
0: right to make bagels I've only been in L.A. seven years now. Sean, for context, I'm a Jersey guy originally from northern New Jersey. And so when I came out here, bagels were, put that word in quotes, like, completely sucked. Yeah. Actively (laughs) bad. And in the last, like, four years... They've started getting decent bagels here. It's still not New York, but yeah. it is better than it was. And now there's like a bagel renaissance going. Or yeah. it's not a renaissance because that would imply that it existed before. Yeah. <laughs> but there's a a bagel scene in a way there wasn't before all throughout L.A. There's there's Hanks, there's Pops, there's Yeasty Boys. Mm-hmm.
2: Is that the trucks?
0: Yes. One of those is a truck. Yeasty Boys Yeasty is a boys. truck. Yeah, there yeah. Might be a brick and mortar now. But I've been surprised in recent years to find actually decent bagels just around
2: town. I mean, a bagel scene is a plus for wherever there is a bagel scene, I would say. And yeah, I lived out in LA for one year, about eight years ago. So maybe similar to when you first got there, 2015-ish. Yes, that's exactly when I moved, yeah. Yeah, so I had known New York bagels then. But now that I do, it is something I notice whenever I'm there that it's like, I don't know if I quite want to commit to both the size and scope of a bagel and what it usually says for the rest of my morning <laughs> if it isn't a delicious bagel yes. up to snuff.
0: Yeah. Where did you grow up, Sean? Cleveland. What would How would you characterize Cleveland? Very Midwestern? Or? I mean, what's
2: interesting too, when I say Cleveland, I was outside of Cleveland in a pretty middle America suburb, sort wow. of like Ohio, I guess they like test a lot of the new fast food chains, but even new products because it is sort of so middle of the road. Mm -hmm. Perhaps this is just something we say to ourselves in Ohio too to give us some sense of identity. But growing up,
0: I believe this. Well, when you said they test a lot of uh, of the new, I thought you were going to say Republicans.
2: Yeah, well, it has turned that way. I mean, what's interesting is like it wasn't that way growing up. And I'm glad my family is not particularly political, so I haven't felt as exposed. But I have definitely seen like populations of people I went to high school with and thought of as just sort of, hey, you're part of my very normal down the middle childhood. It's a changing place. I have love for it. I have love for Cleveland. I like the sports and whatnot,
1: but my town is just sort of a small little normal town. Yeah. When you say you were from Cleveland, I was like, oh, I know somebody (laughs) from Cleveland. (laughs) Yeah, right. Exactly. I I totally liked that Leah is from Cleveland as well. What's funny is that when I first met Leah, I was like, hey, mom, like, hey, I started talking to this girl. like She's cool. And my mom was like, oh, where's she from? Cleveland. (laughs) And my mom still lives back home in Hawaii. Okay, And so she's like, "Hmm?" (laughs) yeah, well, I mean, compared to Hawaii. And also it's like oddly does have a
2: connotation, but like even just going with Leah, like Leah is so cool that I just, anything that comes to mind with Cleveland, I wouldn't immediately assign to Leah, except for me having a soft spot.
0: We need to establish who certain people are right now. (laughs) And so Leah being one of them, because she's not on this recording. So everybody, (laughs) this is Leighton Night with Brian Wecht. Filling in for Leighton Gray this week is my esteemed co-host, Susie. Susie.
3: Hey there, how's it going? Hi. I'm uh, staying in for Leighton. She's on break.
0: Yep. We also have on the show our wonderful producer, Jarek. Jarek, say hi. Hello. 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 This is my-, <laughs> it's
3: my
1: Australian accent. And this is my presidential pose that uh-huh. Very nice. Leah really hates when I take pictures. Uh-huh. She hates I am this.
3: not a crook. Yeah.
1: Uh, <laughs> do, you- do you pull that out a lot? Double Vs. So um, when I was in London with my friends, Alex and Beth, they're like, mate, I just looked at every photo you have and you have double peace signs in them. Why is that?
0: <laughs> First of all, flawless accent work, Jarek. I mean, jumping around. Pro you. Level. Thank, thank you. But we are also joined this week by a mystery guest. Mystery guest, please introduce yourself. Mystery guest. That, yeah, that's, that's a that's nice new.
2: introduction. Nicer thank than you. I usually get. I am Sean Grandillo. <laughs> And I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you for having me, y'all.
0: Awesome. And Sean, where might people know you from?
2: I feel like people might know me from Scream, the TV show on MTV, or a spattering of sort of random uh, ill-fated television shows of the last (laughs) few years, or from Spring Awakening, the Deaf West revival on Broadway. I think those are the things that I know myself from. So that's what I would guess.
0: Great. Mm -hmm. I love it. Well, thank you so much for being here this week. Okay, so now let's provide context. Jarek, who is Leah and what is the specific status of your relationship? (laughs) Leah is my girlfriend. There we go.
1: And Looking for the G word and you dropped it.
0: Great.
3: The G word isn't gamer? Yes.
1: (laughs) She is my gamer. Um, And the whole reason why Sean is here, because they grew up together from what I have heard.
0: That's right. The term you're looking for is Nepo, baby. I believe.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but I am not Leah's baby, to be clear. Right. I don't yeah, want right. it to. It's just, just right. to not mix yeah, anything right. up. No one's baby. But yeah, I grew up with Leah in Cleveland, Ohio. Did you play stand-up bass too? I did play stand-up bass, Yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, okay.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. So <laughs> actually, I have a question about that.
2: <laughs> stand-up bass. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's I have, uh... a term for it. I played it enough <laughs> to know that that might be just a
0: term for it. I want to be clear. So I have an eight year old who is in the process of learning piano and something about this kid, she has a big attitude and something about this kid screams bass to me. So here's my bass question. When you started on, did you start on a double bass or did you start on like a baby bass or how old were you when you started in on this and what was your specific bass journey?
2: It's a good question, and I'm happy it's about the quote stand up bass because I am sort of a hobbyist at most with a lot of these things, however, classical bass, double bass uh-huh. stand up bass is the one thing that I started in fourth grade in the school orchestra. Okay. I had done some piano lessons, some things like that, but it was my first and really only like
0: sort of academically learned instrument so but when you're what what's fourth grade? Nine, ten, right? Mm-hmm. Are you on a stool? like, how do you reach the top of a bass at that age? I do remember the
2: size, like being something that as I got older, it was more like, oh, wow, okay, I can do things now. But there are sizes even to the instrument. And I'm not particularly tall now or then. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I I would like hide in the instrument case. I was certainly (laughs) small. I could probably (laughs) still hide in the instrument case, admittedly. And it was school orchestra. I wasn't sort of Taking private lessons at that point. I wasn't yeah, that yeah, yeah. into it right away, but ended up going to some orchestra camps. It was one of the things that Leah was banned, right?
1: Not orchestra? Beats me. Okay. I okay. Wow. I, I'm not quizzing oh, you either.
2: No. Oh, oh, brutal. Goodness me. Absolutely
0: brutal. May, maybe try sent. talking to your girlfriend occasionally, Jerek. <laughs> like ask her questions about herself. Don't just talk about yourself all the time.
2: Bring up the marching band, man. It works yeah. every time. <laughs> much cooler than the orchestra in my school social hierarchy too. But
0: when I was in uh, fifth grade, the instrument, you know, we did, and I think a lot of schools still do this. They give you your first instrument in third grade, a recorder. Yes. Right. The, you know, little toot toot flute. And then in fourth grade, you get to pick a quote unquote real instrument. And I apologize to all recorder fans out there (laughs) because there actually is some pretty sick recorder music. So then I picked the saxophone and then very quickly got promoted, lateral move, I don't know, from alto saxophone to barry sax because there was no one playing tuba or any of the bass parts in the concert band. They needed someone to play those. And for whatever reason, I got picked to play the barry. But I was, you know, 11 or whatever. And so we had to manufacture a little cardboard box that I could put the barry sax on to raise it up to the level where I could sit down, you know, play it uh-huh. or like straddling it kind of like a, a cello or whatever between my legs. And this thing had to be raised up on a box so that I could reach it. So I spent four years with this makeshift shitty cardboard box <laughs> filled with papers and other shit that we stood this Barry Sachs on, <laughs> so I could play it. Yeah, uh, you know, the thing was bigger than I was at the yeah. time.
3: Oh yeah, that's the Brian box. Yeah. Yeah, that's right.
0: <laughs> and this thing this thing I tra- I traveled around with this thing. Like wow, right? Right. with
3: the papers and stuff in it. It was like falling. It was, apart, just, it was like or... a taped
0: together box. Yeah, and, I can
3: envision this. Yeah. You know,
0: and like those things are fucking expensive. It's a giant saxophone. Pro- yeah, probably mm-hmm. like a halfway decent one is gonna cost 10 grand or something. Like they're not cheap. And so you leave it at school. School owns one and you know, along there's the box, but you got to bring the box back and forth out of the <laughs> locker and everything. So, yeah, for years, I had my Barry Sax, my Barry Sax box.
2: Same deal, yeah. by the way. I didn't own a double bass. Again, I, I don't want to claim too much sort of space <laughs> in that uh, community that I'm really just a visitor in, but... It was ultimately Spring Awakening, we played the instruments on stage. Right, And right. my ability to say I could play that, you know, I could read the note and make generally the right sound was, I yeah. think, the thing that filtered me through a little hole into my first opportunity. So That's I awesome. have a soft spot for the double bass, too.
0: Where was Spring Awakening? Because there was this whole movement starting, I don't know. 10, 15 years ago, I feel like with some of the Sondheim stuff, I think it was mm-hmm. Company, maybe was like the first one where it was the actors are playing the instruments on stage. But was Spring Awakening before that? No. So
2: interestingly, we played the instruments on stage sort of, I think, as a an artistic approach to doing the piece with the deaf actors. So mm-hmm. the deaf actors were representative of the characters. That was the face of, like, my character was Otto. It was this wonderful guy, Miles, who I love and miss a lot. Also, I had never met a deaf person prior to this, so this was a huge leap. I left school to do this. It was not paid, really. It was $20 from the concession stand after every show. I took my semester abroad and went to L.A. to do this piece. 2014 it started. But so we played the instruments as we spoke their lines while they signed, sort of acting as their conscience sort of floating around them. And it was just a really cool... Really cool thing on so many levels. But when was that company? Maybe 2008, nine? I can get real theater nerd. I feel
0: like it was 15 years ago. Yeah. And then they did another one. Was it Sweeney Todd after mm-hmm. that? Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
3: I love Sweeney Todd.
0: Me it's too. the best. It's coming back. Josh Groven. I know.
3: Oh my God. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yes.
0: <laughs> Starts next month. And of course, the big Sondheim news is that Richard Linklater is doing Merrily We Roll Along over the next 20 years or something with who is it's Daniel Radcliffe and who else? Well,
2: Daniel Radcliffe is in it here right now. That's going to Broadway. I think it's Ben Platt in the movie, movie. but yeah. yeah, Can you
0: imagine like that's overwhelming? Honestly, Susie and Jarek, do you know anything about this?
3: I don't know.
0: Correct me if I say anything wrong about this. Actually, Merrily We Roll Along was the first show I ever conducted. Oh, that's a really cool one to conduct. It's a great one. So yeah, I conducted the the Musical Theater Society when I was in college. This was their production when I was a junior, and I was the conductor. It's famous because it's one of Sondheim's flops, at least at Mm -hmm. the time. Uh, It's from, I think, 81? Is that right? Somewhere in there. Somewhere in there. And the shtick of the show is it goes backwards in time. So you start out with these three friends, one of whom has become a very successful composer type. And you start at the end of their kind of relationship when they're old and kind of bitter and the relationship is falling apart and then as the show goes on, you go backwards in time to the beginning of their relationship when they're all young and fresh-faced and, you know, looking forward to an amazing life and, you know, career together. So it, it's pretty cynical. Oh, no. You, you know, you end on a hopeful note, which you know how it's going to go, because that's where the show started, mm-hmm. and has a great, great, I mean, just a million great numbers yeah. in it but was, at the time, not very successful when it first came out. But I think since has been reevaluated and is now more widely beloved. Does that sound about right?
2: I think that's perfect. Yeah. yeah. It's really good. And this movie, so I, I assume what they'll be doing is shooting the like the young, what will ultimately end up being the end of the movie now while right. the actors are this age, probably shooting the beginning of the movie, the end of their careers in, what is it, 20 years, however long Yeah, is. 20
0: years or something.
2: And like to watch that, it's cynical and it's moving about like the hope of a creative life and right. where it can get you when you have to interact with the, you know, capitalist American world. I think it's set in like the fifties or so, so a different time, but the same sort of thing that remains painfully a part of my life, certainly today. And I feel like all of us as creatives, like where you interact with what was my passion again when I was a kid, what was that dream that I was having again, you know, and not in a dark way, but a thing you have to like redefine for yourself as you grow up to keep connected to that because yes. I find life exponentially more complicated now at thirty than I did uh, even five years ago.
0: Oh, totally! It's also it's an interesting exploration of collaboration, right? Mm-hmm. So, what happens exactly. in this show is the composer Franklin Shepard has his friend and collaborator Charlie, I think is the guy's name. Yeah, I can't remember right. And they basically, as as Franklin gets. More and more famous, he has less time for his friend. And he turns into... There's a really great Patter song, one of the all-time great Sondheim ones called Franklin Shepard, Inc., where it... You know, a lot of that kind of stuff. And it's his friend angry that Franklin doesn't have time for him anymore. And I think it's it's an interesting exploration of of this collaboration and how it evolves over time. And... Look, I don't want to say too much because I hope this is not going to be interpreted in any negative light, but I am also in a creative partnership where my partner has gotten much more better known than I am. And when I listen to that, we have a great relationship, like there's no problems along these lines, but in a way that you know, 25 years ago or whatever it was when I conducted this, it didn't hit home. I was like, oh, look, I can relate to this. I've been working with Danny, my partner in, in my band for 15 years. And since then, he has gotten pretty well known. We both have, but he's really like gone off the charts. And that song hits home or that show hits home in a way. I was like, oh, I'm in one of these partnerships where, you know, we were kind of struggling along at the beginning and then paths started diverging. And so it, you know, as the kids say, it just hits different these days yeah. when I when I listen to that. And I want to be very clear that I'm not saying anything negative about Dan Avidan on the record.
2: That felt very not negative bad. to me. <laughs> right. Like, uh-huh. I believe you. I believe you. That Thank was beautiful you. though, honestly. And yeah, I mean, it is a weird thing. I certainly have friends and lovers and exes and here and there who have various interactions with whatever that fame known public thing is that is not a space I'm particularly comfortable even you know having my sort of like five minutes of it that I've even been sort of a part of like it's an interesting thing to look at and think about again with the art that we all want to like make that art that's in our hearts whatever And we'd love for people to see it. But like the initial want isn't the superficial, scary one. It's just, again, life. You get tempted, you get sad in this way and you want to make up for it with this way. You can assign value to all these things that like I certainly have found like a, a lot of reflection lately and a lot more happiness in doing my best to. Whether or not I can connect with some passionate childlike wonder at all times is not the thing. But to try to be deliberate or aware of what is going on so I can at least interact with the life around me, knowing where I'm even coming from.
0: Yeah, totally. And the show's about all that, I think. (laughs) (laughs) It's also interesting to me, oh, life in the arts, and this show is kind of about this too, is you do a bunch of different stuff and then one thing kind of hits. And then it's very tempting to think, oh, that. Mm -hmm. That's my thing now. I'm going to do that again. Or that's what you get booked for. Like casting agents can only see what's right in front of them. And if they see you as one thing in one project, it's very tempting to be like, oh, I'll just cast them again is exactly this type of role. And -hmm. it's also a very self-perpetuating cycle where you can make money doing a thing and then you can get booked for that thing. And then 10 years later, you're like, oh, wait, am I always an asshole? Like every character (laughs) I play is just a consummate dick. What? What? And it's very interesting how one lucky break and a couple of choices early on then shoot you off 10 years later into some place you never thought you'd be.
3: Oh, it totally starts in the childhood. Like- You know, you're a kid and, for example, like, you're told, oh, you're really good at drawing, and you're like, oh, that's my thing.
0: Yep, I'm the artist.
3: So then you suddenly lean into that, that's your identity, and then you're suddenly launched into that world. I think that's where that starts, yeah. Yes.
0: Yeah. And it's something, as a parent, that I think a lot about raising a kid. I want her to think she's able to do basically everything. And so we try very deliberately to not say – this is the thing you're good at. This is what you do. Part of that is you praise the effort, not the result, right? Oh, like, yeah. it's so great that you're doing that. That's awesome. You know, that sort of thing. Because I don't want her to think, you know, oh, this is the only thing that I can do with whatever oh. it is.
3: Every time I see her with you guys, she's doing a new hobby or a new thing. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. She's just growing so beautifully. Yeah, she's amazing. No,
0: she's the best. She's a great kid and widely interested in stuff. We had a friend over yesterday and Audrey was just talking about how much she loves math. Oh, I love math. I'm great at math. I love doing math. And I do division with my dad. And you know, such I was a unique like, oh, child. Yeah. <laughs> she's the best. And then she's, you know, cartwheels out of the room and then is, is like, you know, singing some song to herself for three hours. It's the best. That's amazing.
1: I have a question. So, Sean, Leah and I kept seeing your face around Los Angeles <laughs> yeah. via a certain banner. Um, of a certain show that you just got done touring. This is true. And I would like to just talk about that. So you were in a show called Oklahoma. Correct. I
0: I believe it's pronounced Oklahoma.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Brian knows
0: his musicals. Yeah, that's right. Is it really
1: pronounced Oklahoma? No. No. (laughs) Oh.
0: Fuck it. <laughs> Jerk, I love that we've known each other for like five years and I can still get some of those by you.
1: Musicals are a space that I don't know anything right.
0: about. Oklahoma, it's a sequel to Spider Man Turn Off the Dark about Doc Ock.
1: <laughs> Stop.
0: Yeah. I've seen rent. So,
1: um.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's sort of like that. <clears throat> yeah. Sorry, I completely derailed this question. Yes, please continue.
1: Yeah. So what do you know about Oklahoma, Sean? What do I know about (laughs) it? Wow, that's a broad question.
3: Ooh, yeah, go deep. Very
1: aggressive too, (laughs) Jarek. Give me some facts about Oklahoma. Okay, there we go.
2: Okay, I mean, Oklahoma is, I think, a cool thing to know about it, even as sort of maybe not a musical theater fan, is it represents sort of a big shift in what the genre is and was, and that it was one of the first musicals. I believe it was 1943, as if these days matter, but I I really do think that it was 1943 it came out. It's a Rodgers and Hammerstein, they've written a lot of the big classics.
0: Was it their first, their first big musical? I think think it it might might have been, been. yeah.
2: Yeah. It was certainly the first, though, to have songs that propelled the plot forward just as the scenes did. Prior to that, I think it was just, these were vehicles for music to reach consumers. The songs that were on Broadway used to be one and the same of American pop music. It was a different thing altogether until this Mm -hmm. time, when it really sort of became this clarified, almost like neo-opera thing, more similar to how it still is today. So Mm -hmm. it's very cool in that it represents the first time that was done. And this production that I was in was a revival that was on Broadway the year before the pandemic, 2019. And it's a small production it's a dark production. This show is not particularly dark on its face in the way that it's normally presented. And it's really a part of like Americana now and, That was one of the interesting things, actually, about taking out this different version of it that really flipped this thing. That You could almost put it in a museum in some sense. It just represents something. To do this differently, it was, you know, lauded, and I think it won the Tony here for Best Revival. But it was challenging for a lot of these markets that we went to around the country, where they saw signs for Oklahoma, Oklahoma, and they came expecting (laughs) something. There's a movie of it, a great movie, honestly. It's worth watching, too, even from a sort of, oh, American history type of thing. Yeah. But ours was darker. It was stripped down. It was very... adult. Adult, yeah, let's call it that. Yeah, sexually charged in a way that wasn't just innuendo. It was kind of about that. Some race and gender issues... Were both looked at via the text that's there. We also didn't change any of the text, so it was a lot done in the staging and sort of the way that it was presented. Where rather than I was curly, who was just sort of the, for lack of a better way to put it, like the male ingenue. I'm the cowboy, and the Basically girl's gonna the want lead, me. The male yeah, lead exactly. of the show, yeah. yeah. But in mine, I was definitely. I had some darkness and some manipulative and without changing the text, we just angled the show differently, which I think worked really well in one sense, but it was a very challenging thing to do. Very challenging. Um LA was wonderful because more you people know
0: what? were. I am so bummed. I had tickets yeah. and then my daughter got booked for a shoot exactly that weekend and I had to stage dad. So yes. I couldn't come to see the show and I was so bummed to miss it. But, yeah, you guys are with the Amundsen, right? We were. And that
2: is a bummer, but a great reason to miss. That's exciting for her.
0: So Judd changed a little bit, too, right? They made him less of a villain and more of a sympathetic.
2: Correct. I mean, it was really a love triangle here where it was a little more. And what I liked about it, too, it centered the female character, Laurie, who was really as a lot of shows were back then, underwritten, not the focal point. She was just sort Mm. of caught, you know, in ours, she was driving the entire action. And I think it was very cool, but I definitely think people were confused. It was a little bold in its strokes from the director. And I think mm. a lot of people didn't know how to take it in. And it's, you know, it's a three hour mega musical that I think some of those moments really worked and then some of them didn't work as well. And then being the lead of that eight times a week in places where in the first few minutes I could tell whether they were going to like this or not. And right, I'm like all right, eh, Here's 40 percent of the dialogue. Sorry, I don't mean to be upsetting you.
0: Were you part of the Broadway cast at all or you joined for the
2: touring? So I joined for the touring. I saw it twice. I really liked it. And I thought to myself, oh, it's a cool, my voice is high, but it's not a whaler high tenor. So I always am drawn to those sort of barra tenor, particularly like guitar driven. That's sort of a niche that I found in musical theater. I don't really dance, so I need specific things (laughs) or else I don't really belong Uh, there. But yeah, I wasn't a part of it. I had seen it twice. And Allie Stroker was in Spring Awakening with me. She's this fabulous actress who happens to be in a wheelchair. Actually, she just had her first kid, which is amazing. She won a Tony in this production of Oklahoma. So I had a bit of a connection to it from that and talked to her about it when I was auditioning. And So that's what I know about Oklahoma, (laughs) Jarek. Not much and too much.
0: So (laughs) Jarek, you might know, it has some songs that are now like, I mean- classic standards right uh, mm. oh what a beautiful morning is the oh, big god. one no right? no which, which you of course <laughs> open the show with every time right oh god no yeah. legitimately triggering a little <laughs> yeah, bit I bet. oh no <laughs> it's okay the title song is a big one to what's the other one people will say we're in love right that's mm-hmm. that's a duet right it is yeah yeah, yeah. honestly the new song. album
2: is yeah. wonderful to listen to it's more pop country Lilt. It sounds really good. I really cool. enjoyed the musical aspect of the whole thing.
0: So. What was the orchestration? Was it a, just a full pit
2: or or what? Uh, no. So that's one of the coolest. I actually think that's one of the most successful things, too. It's bluegrass, pedal steel, banjo. Cool. Oh, that's awesome. Yes. And they were on stage with us, these musicians, too, to like travel with these guys who, again, I sort of dabble. I play a few instruments. I make music. It's really a hobby thing for me these mm-hmm. wonderful players who then also were like in the show. We interacted with them a little That's bit. Awesome. It, it was very cool. Listen to the album. I think you'd like it a lot, whether or not you know Oklahoma. It's it's very cool. And it's not too show toony when it's done this way. Yeah.
0: Rogers and Hammerstein are some of the masters of musical theater songwriting. Mm-hmm. Like the stuff still works. You know, some of yeah. the... The plays and the language are a bit dated, Mm -hmm. of course. They're, like, almost 100 years old in some cases. Uh, So that's to be expected. But the songs, like, are just the best.
2: Yeah. I wonder, like, what else cultural things that are near 100 years old that are even shown at any level commercially? Or, like, I'm trying to think of what I interact with that is 100 years old. And it's interesting to me that I should know these words to this show that... Yes, yeah, he's at least 85 years old.
0: I guess, like Disney stuff, you know, Mickey yeah. Mouse. When was Steamboat Willie? The 20s? No. Yeah.
3: I mean, America's still so new. Yeah. That's yeah. True. I think it was 1920s.
0: Looney Tunes, Popeye, right? Looney Tunes, I guess, weren't the 20s, but late 30s, early 40s, mm-hmm. right?
3: Yeah. and We still know that medium. I mean, that's true. The license, copyright license is about to come up on Mickey Mouse, too, by the way, I think they said. So.
0: They're gonna snake something here, right? No,
3: yeah, no. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I don't trust them to let that shit. I mean, they already extended it once, right?
3: Oh yeah. I really wanted to ask Sean, what was it like to tour and do the show eight shows a week? Like that sounds exhausting. So how often are you in a different city when you're touring?
2: For the most part, we had a week in each city, which was probably the minimum bearable. I mean, we had a few things where it was like two shows here. There's some union protections of if you're moving this many days, we had maybe seven shows this week if we had to do two cities that week. But it is exhausting. And I don't have a ton of experience being in musicals, frankly, professionally, like I I did Spring Awakening, which was a really niche. I was playing an instrument I had played. I was 21 years old. I was in the band more than I was sort of an actor, public facing, you know, thing in, in the world of the show. I was more a musician than anything. I was sort of playing myself. It was a dream come true. Not to mention the added sort of oomph that meeting this group of young deaf people and becoming their friend and learning sign language and the legitimacy that felt like it gave our show 20 of us made a broadway debut that's awesome yeah it was awesome truly one of the things that i feel even as i've grown changed all these things was like that had some magic deathbed grateful for kind of no cynicism about it You know, day to day during the experience, it was still a fun group of 20 year olds complain about this or that. But that was a winner. It's one of the magic things when theater goes right, because you're like in the trenches every day. The travel of the tour was exhausting. And to have to sing like this, I really had to get myself in shape as it went because I couldn't simulate it wasn't even just the singing, but the speaking over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. My voice is already not in as good a shape as it was. And it ended, I think, near the beginning of November. So
0: I'm grateful. Huh? Yeah, it was cool. <laughs> You know, I I am a touring musician and I re I want to hear, I want to get to the nitty gritty. So, okay. <laughs> are you guys sleeping on a bus or are you doing hotels? We're doing hotels, which okay, was that's nice. That's what I think. Um, nice. Yeah.
2: You know, and it became its own weird rhythm. It's quite an interesting experience to have had, isn't right. it? Not COVID and all of the complications with that, notwithstanding. Right. We were the first right. tour to launch after COVID. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, wow. uh,
0: things were being learned on the road and. It was tricky. Did anyone get COVID or get sick? Well, I mean, you're in a production, you're out in the world when you're yes. not on stage. People are going to get at least colds or something, but definitely these days, yeah. COVID. So people must have gotten the sick. They
2: did. Yeah. And I think it's open enough now that like a lot of tours have had to cancel performances. We never had to cancel a performance for COVID. There's, you know, wonderful understudies who know four or five different parts who are ready to go on at a moment's notice. We had all of them on a couple of times and that's an amazing skill set in and of itself too, which I I would honestly love the challenge of that someday. I could imagine understudying someone and just trying to hold all that information in my head. But a lot of testing. Also, one of the weirdest things was this was late 2021, like how differently various pockets of the country sure. felt. It was almost like traveling around Europe in different places, how culturally varied. Both, you know, in general, but the response to COVID was, you know, there were no masks in some places where you felt odd having it on. And then there Mm -hmm. were intense masks in the next place. And sometimes you didn't have it on because you had become used to the other thing. Right, 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 And things were so fluid. It was even pre-Omicron when we started. and right. Right. But it was a wonderful post COVID like kind of jolt back and yeah. to be doing theater which relies on large gatherings of people in the audience. It was a really like, we're gonna be okay, life has changed, the world has changed, but yeah.
0: I felt the same so we we did our first tour back in starting in fall twenty two, you know, a few months back, and it felt so normal in the best way to yeah. be like we're back on stage, we're performing, you know, we're hanging out in the green room. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't exactly the same. We were playing it pretty safe. We didn't have people backstage, stuff Mm -hmm. like that. But I felt that that vibe of being back and performing again was just the best. But yeah, that was after basically two years off of live performing. And the one thing we had done, which was like a tape thing, you know, with a film crew and like you know, everyone's testing and masking, and this was in 21. It just was like, oh, whew. so you know, right. you could feel like, okay, it's back. Life is kind of coming back again. I agree. It's just a wonderful feeling. Yeah. Getting back to some of the theater stuff, what did you grow up with? What were your favorite musicals? All that stuff. Like, if I was Mark Maron, I'd say, who are your guys? Okay, so Brian, I don't want to disappoint you, but
2: theater for me was sort of a later thing. That's uh, junior not year in high school. Yeah, it's okay. just the truth. Well, sometimes you know. <laughs> thank you for that, Brian. That's going to get me through yeah. the rest of this week. Yeah, I was in like emo bands. Really I loved like. Great emo, warp tour, screamo, hardcore kind of stuff. And that was my identity into high school. We played in a couple of like Battle of the Bands, House of Blues. We won one time. It was a fun childhood interest. You want a Battle
0: of the Bands. I want to hear all about this.
2: (laughs) Oh God, I'm cringing at myself. What's the band name? I think the band name at this point was The Crazed.
0: Yes.
3: It's a good name. Yes.
2: It's not the worst.
0: With a K
1: or a C? Uh, With a C, which
0: I like a little better. It wasn't full on like. But you wrote it in the corn font with the backwards R, right? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Is this on YouTube?
3: Can people look this up?
0: I don't know if that band is on
2: YouTube. I've done some scrubbing of this, which I regret most of it because I like I am totally at a place now where I have perspective on. Hey, don't judge your fifteen-year-old self. Yes, Let's of course. Yeah. But it, uh, yeah. some stuff is on there if, if anyone wants to search that about rules. it. But yeah, my band broke up in high school and I was like, oh gosh, what do I want to do to like scratch that itch? I remember crying on a sofa at my dad's house and my mom would come over. They were talking to me about, what do you want to do? And I'm like, I just want to like play music. It was so weird and whiny. That's traumatic when when your band breaks
3: up. It's, it's That's hard, kind, yes. Brian.
2: That's kind.
3: Yeah.
2: It was hard, but I found this theater magnet program just through the public school I went to. It was through the same thing as like, tech classes that people can start taking in the back half of high school. Like there was an auto body part of this program. There was a oh, theater yeah. part of this program. It. So I also met kids from nine different schools, which my school was pretty, like I said, down the middle, not a whole lot of variety in all ways. It almost felt like I went to college for half the day, junior, senior year of high school, where all these kids from neighborhood high schools were doing theater together at this program. That's and awesome. It changed my life. It was amazing.
0: That's great. That's one of the great things about, about any art form, right? Is mm-hmm. it doesn't matter when you come to it. Right. It meets you where you are when you get there. True and, that. you know, you don't have to grow up with, you know, wh- whatever it is to, <laughs> to really enjoy it. Yeah, right. <laughs> God <laughs> forbid. <laughs> yeah. Although I would love to see, oh, wait, emo Oklahoma, right? Oh, that's- <laughs> Hold that's-,
3: on. that's the next iteration. Yeah. Yeah. Yes.
0: We got to talk off mic about this. Yeah. 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 I think we might have something here me too. in Oklahoma. Team
3: yeah. Oklahoma. Just get E-Boys to yeah. do the whole cast. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Here's the opening song. It's called God Fuck This Morning. Yeah. <laughs> right.
3: I'm over this.
0: <laughs> yeah, feel the money roll in. Oh, my God.
2: It was so weird. Like, for me... That was pop music. And it was so much more back early 2000s, that like wave of that. And Uh it's another thing I'm having like realizations about too. Like now having lived through enough waves, understanding that they are waves and being able to look back at myself when like I didn't know that and just was what, it's just that like growing up thing. I'm in my Saturn returns. I'm thinking I'm out (laughs) of it. Thank God. Thank Uh, God. I
0: love (laughs) iconoclasts that are clearly part of a movement Uh where it's like, I'm just being myself. Nobody's like me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then it's just part of everyone else who's saying nobody's like me at that particular time. It's It's so, so (laughs) great. I'm 47. And so I was in high school in the early 90s, late 80s, you know, and so I saw the the grunge people like just (laughs) coming up when I was in high school, Doc Martens, all that stuff that has basically become a, you know, Kind of a caricature of itself now, but yeah, there's always something, and you're always part of some movement, something going on, and it, I think it's the best. Teenagers who are trying to stand out, I love it. it it's it's a joy to watch as as a you know a middle aged person now. I love watching teenagers, teenager because yeah. it's like it's adorable. It's just like oh, you guys are being so cute right yeah. now with your you know your alt clothes or whatever. It's so great. Yeah.
3: It sounds like you've been doing a lot of, like, self-reflection, Sean, and, and, like, you mentioned you're, like, in your 30s now, and I know that that's, like, a big thing when I hit my 30s, too. And, like, did you know, like, when you were a kid that this was what you wanted to do? Like, when you were a child, did you have any kind of inkling that this was the direction you were going to go?
2: You know, I think I was, as you said earlier, like, oh, you can sing. You know, my father was a musician, and... I think he liked that I could even sing like in tune, you know, along to little songs. And so recognize that And in no way pushed me. Thank goodness. I played basketball and stuff. I did a bunch of stuff and then people got tall and I did not. (laughs) But from like middle school on, at least the band thing, I really wanted to be in like a Warped Tour band like that. I think that is still something I can just look at of like,
0: yeah,
2: like, come on. So, yeah, actually, like, and I feel really fortunate to even be able to sort of say, yeah, in this period of reflection and COVID, you know, the way that it threatened entertainment and live performing in particular was existential in a very like, yeah, all of those voices of like, you know, the requisite doubts and things like that come up now in this face of like, how will you survive? And it's been an interesting thing to go through and then realize, like, even the parts of it that are a little, as an adult, whoa, out there, I'm taking a risk with this thing, to embrace those parts again, to be like, whatever the different texture of my life might have versus like, if I knew what my salary was going to be next year, if I knew, you know, I could try to plan 10 years ahead, I'm going to embrace the differences about knowing that as long as it doesn't feel self-destructive. And remember that like, these are choices I am making and remake those choices again. And so that's really where I've been. And I am just 30 now, but I was ready to be, I felt a little (laughs) listless in my twenties, bad breakup, the whole thing in my late twenties and then covid Now I have a wonderful girlfriend of three years who has been a big part of my grounding and like realizing a lot of things. COVID felt like it came at a time for me where like time to sit and think was productive. So in that sense, that very small sense, I am grateful to have had that time.
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah. COVID for me, it was like it brought back a lot of childhood stuff for me because the only other time I had been stuck at home and not able to go out was when I was a kid so it was like the perfect time to reflect on all of that childhood trauma and stuff so I totally feel that
1: where are you from
3: I'm from Florida
0: okay cool so you were back there
3: (laughs) I was in the south it's I wouldn't go back
0: (laughs) yeah I feel you do you think of Florida as the South, Susie? I've always been curious about this.
3: I consider it the South because we mm. had all Southern sayings, you know, soda, clicker, hmm. y'all, I don't know. And it wait. was also deeply racist and <laughs> awful. So, I mean, yeah, I do <laughs> consider it the South, yeah. What
1: is, uh-huh. what is clicker, Susie?
0: Oh, wait, oh, the- hold on. Wait, wait, wait. Don't tell him, Jarek, I, I th- I'm not 100% sure I know, although I think I do. What do you think clicker means, Jarek? And Sean too. We'll throw this to you too. So, but Jarek, you go first.
1: I mean, when I think of Clicker, I think of like a bug, like just <laughs> a like a bug, like an insect, <laughs> like an insect, just like at night, like locusts, you know,
0: for <clears throat> like clicking, okay.
1: <laughs> clicking away.
0: Cool. And in Florida, they're three feet long, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like that yeah. movie Mimic, if you've ever seen that. Yeah, Sean Clicker.
2: Jarek, I like that little ASMR you did there. Like, that yeah. was a very
0: satisfying sound. <laughs> We're going to do a spinoff series where Jarek just makes clicking and buzzing sounds. Yeah.
3: love it. Yeah.
0: I think a clicker's a, a television remote. That's what I think, uh, yeah. too. Yeah. Mm. It's the TV
3: remote.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I dated a girl from Florida for a while, and that's where I learned sorry, that term. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That relationship actually did not end well. Uh, but... Yeah, I always said uh, remote or remote control growing up in Jersey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Derek, what did you say in Hawaii? Fucking remote control. Like, uh, <laughs> Great. Cool. <laughs> remote, yes. Normal person. <laughs> like, no, like a normal person. That's right. I think this is a good time to move on to some segments. So Ooh. I want to <laughs> move on to our first segment, a fan favorite segment. This is our pop culture recommendation segment. It's where you get to talk about a book, a movie, a video game, any kind of pop culture, not even necessarily pop culture, high culture, low culture, whatever it is that you've been enjoying recently. The segment is called What's Poppin', and the theme song, which Mr. Jarek Santana will add in post, goes here. What's poppin'? What's poppin'? That was the theme song. Now, Sean, I want to ask you the question I like to ask people, which is if you were to have heard that theme song, what would you have thought about it?
2: It was killer. I love uh, it. I uh, want to yeah. do a cover of it. I want to be a part cover. of it. Yeah, that's right. Can I
0: hire the crazed, <laughs> the crazed to do a cover
2: of it? Sure thing. I'll call the other members.
3: Round them up. Get the team back together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah
0: last try. Oh, that, tour. <laughs> wait a minute. That's a great idea for a show, right? You get like people get their nice. high school bands back together, oh. right? Like get adults. Yeah. Hold on. I, I, I'm going to write this down. Get people who are whatever, you know, maybe wow. 30 and up and you get the band back together. Okay. Here's the pitch. They do an old song, but they also have to do a new song that they write together. Love it. right? love that. And depending on the age of the person, let's say you get people in their 60s now. Let's see, when they were in high school, that would have been 50 years ago. Wow. Right? So you can get some fucking 70s stuff Mm. happening. Oh, Oh. Probably some emotional
2: moments and reunions. Maybe some band members are no longer with us or can't come. I mean, I both see it working really well as like a reality show. And also like, if one vignette in particular seemed really good, you could make that less scripted show. Too. A whole thing. Ooh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> yeah. You may cut this out. We don't want to give this idea. <laughs> this idea shouldn't
3: be free. Yeah. good. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Susie, what's popping?
3: Oh my God. So... I'm a collector of the odd and the weird, you know, I like to collect my weird things. And for what's popping this week, I picked a board game. Okay. It was a board game that was really popular in America until The Exorcist came out. And then it got mm. a really negative connotation. And I'm talking about the Ouija board. Oh, I thought you were say Monopoly. <laughs> so uh, I got a new Ouija board. I'm a collector and I wanted to share it because I thought it was fucking hilarious. This is the Holy Spirit board and it's to talk directly to Jesus Christ.
0: Wow. <laughs> we can't see because it's pixel or at least I can't see. But
3: yeah, I mean, if, if you're on the Patreon. Yes, you can that's see right. It. Oh,
0: nice, nice, nice. Well done.
3: But otherwise, you can find it on Amazon still. The planchette that you move around the board is actually a cross- Wow. And it says like, hello, Jesus, and goodbye, Jesus. And the uh, reviews on Amazon are fucking hilarious. I highly recommend looking it up. (laughs) Like literally like someone's like, Jesus wants me to have eternal riches, but for some reason he forgot to put the numbers on the Ouija board. So he can't tell me the lottery numbers. And it's like, that's the one thing that you like really need on a Ouija board. How could you forget (laughs) the numbers?
0: Wait, so there's no numbers on that board?
3: No, it's literally whoever made it it's just to communicate with jesus (laughs) like there's no well i I don't
0: know how to break this to them but like you can write numbers in letters you know like just spell the word
3: i mean but if you want to go really deeper like are you really talking with jesus like
0: (laughs) the big question when making that purchase (laughs) also he would be well, I guess Jesus can speak any language these days. Because there's a lot of
3: other reviews on there saying like, you're definitely not talking to Jesus. Through this. You
0: point. know what? I, I, I <laughs> suspect that may be true. I suspect that may be true. Well, you can also ask it. Is this really Jesus? See what it says.
3: I would lie if I were a demon. Like, wouldn't I guess you? that's
0: a good point. Yeah. Do you
1: think if you asked it, do you think it would give you Jesus's phone number?
3: It doesn't mean numbers. Uh, Jesus' phone
0: number is just one. Yeah, the first one. <laughs> just dial one. Area code zero 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 one. That's right. Yeah, yeah. plus zero, which is the exchange for heaven, and then one. Yeah. I mean, they reset the years for this fella. <laughs> you know?
2: I don't even know what the phone numbers before would have been.
0: Yeah.
1: Jerk, what's popping? What is popping for me is a little movie called The Menu. Oh, shit. I've been meaning to see it. Featuring Anya Taylor Joy and fucking, I don't know what his fucking name is. The guy who played Voldemort <laughs> in Harry Potter. Ray Fines?
2: Ray Fines. Is that his
1: name? Yes. Incredible. Such good performance. The acting is great. The writing is great. It's apparently the guys, I haven't seen it yet, but the same people who wrote Succession. Mm-hmm. It just has like a very like snarky attitude but like very like laid back and just think of like at least the Ray Fiennes character um, the chef I just think of a lot about Gordon Ramsay but mm-hmm. like a very like reserved chill Gordon Ramsay but he still gives you like that like bite and attitude without having to like yell in like a stereotypical kitchen scenario but it's a, it's an amazing movie but I think what I love more about the film is a score is a musical score oh. it was this guy Colin Stetson who's also done like other stuff like hereditary he's done like one of the updated Texas chainsaw massacres but cool. this score is incredible because it uses primarily strings and I think the best thing about it is that there's so much polyrhythms in the string arrangements I'm a big lover of polyrhythmic stuff it's just Damn. a cool way to get rhythms across but yeah it's one of my favorite scores, one of my favorite movies in a while. Definitely like new top like five. Oh, What awesome. was it called again? The Menu. It's on HBO. Yeah, it's like a dark comedy, dark satire. Uh, oh, yeah. It also, just imagine if it was like Chef's Table meets kind of like something with Gordon Ramsay. That's the way I kind of look at The Menu.
0: Cool. Yeah. I love it.
3: Yeah.
0: Rachel saw it and she loved it. And she was like, we got to watch it again because it's, it's rad. Mm, So, so good. Before you ask me,
2: I concur. I saw that too. And thankfully it wasn't sort of maybe my answer I was going to give here, but I love how you're describing it too with Gordon Ramsay. And I also think almost like, and like get out the movie in that it has such tone. Mm -hmm. It like doesn't fall into, oh, it's a serious chef movie and it doesn't fall into, oh, it's a camp horror movie. It's very well done. I loved it too.
1: Yeah.
0: Sean,
2: what's popping? First, I'm going to say Halo Infinite on the Xbox, just in that, you know, it's Halo. It's not reinventing the wheel, but I've been spending a lot of my like, I need brain massage hours there in lieu Mm -hmm. of things like TikTok scrolling. I don't post, but I scroll. And I think Halo is one of those that we forget how great of a game it is because the franchise has been out for a long time. But the multiplayer is really smooth. It's fun. I'm not a huge gamer other than Halo. So the Mm -hmm. fact that it has stuck around in my life when other things have fallen by the wayside and reading in general. I've been reading more. I'm trying to read a book a week. I am currently on track. What are you reading right now? I'm reading a book called Abundance by... uh, fellow whose name I don't know because a friend gave it to me. Apparently this guy lives on my block in New oh, York. Oh, no way. That's awesome. And it's very, very good. And he's, he's young. I think it's his first novel. It's very cool, but trying to read just a wide range of things just to, again, it's those hours that I'm not a purist. Like I like my phone. I think I can decompress healthily enough on it, but I need to vary it up. So it isn't just like the catch all. Back right. pain, too. You know, yeah. back pain is popping lately. Regrettably. Oh, sorry. Lately.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we love a triple pop here. Brian, now Susie, what's, yes. Oh, oh, oh yes. Brian. Oh, yeah, Jarrett. Brian, what's popping? Oh, oh wait. Everybody oh. asked me. Okay. Jarek, you asked me first. Brian, what's popping? Susie.
3: What's popping?
0: Sean. Brian, what's popping? Boom. Thank you. Well, thank you all for your interest. I really, truly do appreciate it. What is popping for me is a brand new television series. It's Poker Face, which is the Ryan Johnson series, I think executive produced and starring Natasha Lyonne. I don't know if you guys have noticed this, like 70s detective shows are kind of having a moment. Right now, I feel like people are obsessed with Columbo and Mannix and Rockford Files and all these like, you know, old school, 50-year-old detective shows. And Ryan Johnson and Natasha Lyonne, I think they co-created it, but I'm not quite sure have this like sort of seventies, but modern style thing. And I'm two episodes deep and it's just great. You know, it's kind of like a murder of the week type thing. And the shtick is that Natasha Leone plays a character who can tell with 100% accuracy, whether someone is lying or not. And that's her detective superpower. And she's not a detective. She's just a person And I don't want to give anything else away about the show, but it is clearly an homage to like 70s, 80s detective stuff. And it's just really fun. You know, first two episodes are great. I think they only have three out so far, but I've been really enjoying it. And I like Ryan Johnson a lot. You know, he's done a lot of great stuff. I personally really liked Last Jedi. A lot of people hated it, but I feel like he gets hate for dumb reasons. So, yeah, Poker Face. Ryan Johnson, Natasha Leone, and I think it's on uh, Peacock.
1: Mm, I love Natasha Leone. Me too.
0: I have to say, I felt like she was getting a little overexposed and I had sort of turned a corner. I was like, "Eh, I don't know about her so much, but this has brought me right back where she's just awesome, awesome in this. That's cool. It's a really fun show,
1: yeah. I think the first thing I've ever seen in Natasha Leone was American Pie. Oh,
0: and she was in Honey Boy. She was a a child actor who started very young and has been acting for, you know, 30-something years, I think. So, yeah, she's been, like, on screen her entire life. And I love that her career is arguably stronger than ever now. And it seems like she's doing cool stuff, taking chances. You know, Russian Doll was her creation. Season one of that was... Amazing, season two, a little less so, but whatever, just personal taste. But yeah, I love that she's kicking ass right now.
3: Yeah, she's having a moment for sure, yeah.
0: Absolutely. Also, it makes me want to watch, I don't think I've ever seen an episode of Columbo, but something about it makes, I love Peter Falk. I think I would really like it. And so I I think I'm going to start watching Columbo.
3: Do you think that like the true crime people have just like run out of true crime and that's why they're going back to all these old detective shows?
0: (laughs) That's right. It feels like there's a there's an overlap there for sure.
3: The like true crime community has jumped the shark, I feel, with like the new like movies that come out and not, you know, representing the victims properly and things like that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's an interesting thing where like I like true crime. Again, that was one of those things that I can't even sit here and think like I was never caught up in that as like a successful commercialized movement of stuff, because it is just so. It ticks a lot of those boxes. But I do think there's such a difference between the ones of those that work because it's like an artistic rendering of this case, or, or even artistic journalism, when a journalist does it really with that care, versus the ones that are gratuitous at best. And then a little bit like just, wow, corporate America is just willing to sell like the murderer, yes, yeah. horrifying demon now to girls, the way that they used to like a rock star or an actor, you know? Yeah.
0: A lot of the true crime stuff too. There's this very off-putting, at least to me, shoehorning of a narrative into these things mm-hmm. where you can just sort of in many cases, tell the bias of the person that's making the thing and who often I don't trust To Mm -hmm. be, you know-
3: Or giving a good message.
0: Yes, Mm -hmm. without agenda. Yeah, exactly. And I've never been a big fan uh, in general, but when I do hear them, I'm like, "Ah, do I believe this person? Mm. Why should I believe this person? Follow the money. Like who's paying for that? That sort of thing. (sighs) Like this opening up of what narratives we get to see is like many other things, a good thing and a bad thing. And it's great we now, thanks to the internet and society in general, we get to experience a lot of different stories we otherwise wouldn't have. But also, that means that people can just make shit up because of the democratization of information. It's all kind of presented on a level playing field, and it's very hard to tell what is true and what is not. So it's troubling, but also empowering. Well put, I agree. Susie, would you mind introducing our second and final segment?
3: Yes. So the last second, I don't know. Is it the last segment?
0: It is both the second and the last segment.
3: (laughs) Peaches and lemons. Peaches and lemons. So everybody knows what a peach and a lemon is, but in case you don't, it's okay, chill, I got it for you. (laughs) So a peach is going to be, it's like a gratitude. It's like something that you're thankful for, something that really good happened. And I'll start it off easy for you guys. I'll tell you guys my peaches so you guys get like a feel for it and get a good example. So first peach, so thankful for my health. I've been just really thankful and feeling being healthy and thankful for it. I know a lot of people who are dealing with a lot of long-term health problems, and it's, it's devastating. So I think a lot of people don't recognize and acknowledge how good it is to be young and healthy, and you should enjoy it while you can. My second peach is Y2K fashion is back. Oh. I don't know about you guys. I feel like Layton would be on my page mm-hmm. with this. Um, <laughs> Low-rise jeans are back, you know, like all kinds of weird belt buckles, like chunky shoes. I'm I'm fucking digging that. And then my third peach, Brendan Fraser, having a big comeback moment. Love my man, Brendan Fraser.
0: Yes, I heard his oh, interview on he's Mark Maron. He's
3: an earth angel. So yeah. that's definitely a peach.
0: What I love about Brendan Fraser interviews is when you hear him, talk. Most of the time he's talking like this and you're <laughs> doing an interview with Brendan Fraser. He's like, yeah. And then I went, I went over here and every once in a while he goes here <laughs> and then he comes back down and he's just kind of talking like this and he sounds very sincere. And this Mark Marin interview, you know, I, I listen to every WTF, but more than any one I've heard in recent memory, there are pauses where things get emotional and people need to like either Brendan and uh, Fraser or, or Mark Maron just need to take a moment and collect themselves because they've talked about something that they feel very deeply about.
3: I think that's their real personality coming out, you know. And then they have, they're like, "Oh my god, I'm doing yeah. like a PR thing. I yeah. need to." All okay, right, sorry. Okay, where were we again? From winning this movie? Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's the great thing about those Mark Marin interviews is that he just has something about him. I don't know what it is where people open up and get real. Yeah. And it's it's great. Have you heard that interview, Susie?
3: I haven't, but I have seen it you posted around. Yeah, I'm just so, I'm so freaking proud of him. He's made a huge comeback and I'm just so excited to see where it goes for him. And I think he's one of the like- yeah.
0: Oscar nomination, right? Yeah,
3: I think he's like one of the main, like super genuine people in Hollywood and just really appreciate him, so. But it sounds like uh, you guys might understand peaches now. Do you guys have some peaches on your minds?
0: Jarek, do you wanna peach uh, us? Um no, not yet.
3: <laughs> wow, no peaches? Really? That's None? The
0: ultimate power move. <laughs> yeah. It ul- he's 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 thinking. He's thinking.
1: He's yeah, thinking. Brian, what are your peaches?
0: Okay. Peach number one. After fucking three or whatever years of waiting, I am the proud owner of a PS5. <laughs> wow. Hell yeah. Yes. I didn't try super hard to get one, but I tried hard enough. I, you know, paid for whatever GameStop fucking plus or whatever the thing is where they're supposed to tell you when they have them, but they don't. I signed up for the get an invite for Amazon. We'll let you know when your thing comes up. Never got an email. Last week, I'd like Googled as I would like once every few months. PS5 went to the store. There's just a purchase link right there. And I bought it. Wow. So I now have the ability to play DVDs (laughs) and video games. Yes. (laughs) My second peach is I had an old friend I haven't seen in a few years. Uh, I went to college together and she and her four-year-old son came over yesterday and we just had some family playtime with a really lovely person who I haven't gotten to see in a while. So that was awesome. And finally, uh, my last peach is uh, I'm taking the family this weekend to the Youth Symphony, uh, Mm. meaning a symphony, the L.A. Phil does a thing for kids and they're doing that. This weekend, and I have completely forgotten what they are performing. But we took Audrey to see a few things, you know, three years ago pre COVID, and haven't been back to Disney Hall with her since then. And I'm very excited to bring her back to the symphony. You know, the tickets aren't too expensive because it's a youth thing. And I think it's just so important to get kids out to see shit like that. Seeing a big symphony orchestra is an exciting thing. They're awesome. You know, it's like a 60-piece thing. Mm -hmm. And they're just viscerally exciting. And Disney Hall is a great space. You know, just a wonderful venue to see live music in. And I think it's going to be really fun. And those are my peaches. Incredible.
1: Okay, these are my peaches. Uh, Peach number one is I enrolled into an exercise class. Hmm. It's like 21 days. I'm excited because I've been on my butt <laughs> basically all winter working away. And I definitely like felt it in my body. So I did my first one today at... It was really early for me, 9 a.m. Like you go to
0: a place and do it?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I go to this... Um, it's called The Camp uh, Transformation Center. It's great. It's awesome. It's nice to go to a gym where like... People aren't already like Instagram models. Mm-hmm. Every time I go to gym, I'm like, fuck, this guy's like ripped already. I don't. Mm-hmm. Why are you here? So it's, it's just nice to be in a collective class where they're like telling you what to do.
0: Can I, can I just interject real quick with the gym story before I forget it? Yeah. When I first got here, I joined a 24-hour fitness and I was there working out and I heard someone talking about Spider-Man and I was like, <laughs> what's up with Spider-Man? And they're like, oh. And they point up and there's a guy in a Spider-Man hoodie crawling around like in the rafters and stuff. And apparently he would just join this gym and go up and like get as high as he could and like crawl around on the top. And I have never understood. This is a big place with clear liability issues right away. Right.
3: That's the most Hollywood thing I've ever heard.
0: Yeah. It was the most LA thing. I was like they just let him do that. And they're like, yeah, it's fucking Spider-Man. What can you do? You know, he's just going <laughs> to crawl around up there. That so, is fucking And they're cool. like, yeah, this guy comes in all the time in his Spider-Man hoodie and uh, gets as high as he can and crawls around. That's my LA gym story. Please continue.
1: Okay. Second peach is, I get to see my mom in a couple of weeks for her birthday. Nice. We are going back again to the ninth island called Las Vegas. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's what people in Hawaii call Las Vegas. So good to see my mom. It's her birthday. But, and this is also kind of like a rotten peach because I'm very optimistic. I've chosen to fly out of Burbank Airport. Nice. But on Spirit Airlines. Ooh. So I've never flown on Spirit, so I'm very optimistic about it.
0: I haven't either because I've been scared away by all the stories you hear about Spirit Airlines. Right.
3: Burbank, I think, will override that. Yeah. It's
0: true. It's Nothing an hour flight. Bank.
3: We shouldn't talk about it on the podcast. I don't want people to know about it. Yeah. <laughs> it's still my favorite airport. It's
0: <laughs> the best.
1: Okay. My last peach is I got tickets for my friend and I, Micah, to go see the Postal Service and Death Cab. Oh, nice. For this like 20-year anniversary so of cool. transatlanticism and give up. And these are the most expensive tickets I've ever bought in my life. <laughs> but it's at the Hollywood Bowl and we're the row. Were the seated row right behind the pit.
0: What? Wow.
1: Yes. Oh I shit. like dropped bills. I don't know if they will ever do this duo of a, like a yeah. show again. Like yeah. Ben Gibbard's going to be singing transatlanticism and give up both important records to my buddy Micah and I back to
0: back. Oh, dude. Transatlanticism is one of my all time favorite yeah. albums. I love yeah. it. Yeah.
1: yeah. Oh my gosh. You're
3: going to have a great
1: time. It's going an amazing epic. show. Outside. Yeah. I mean. Hell yeah, that's a peach right there. Yeah, it's going to be killer. <laughs> I'm so excited. But the caveat is it's like in October. <gasps> oh, so far away.
0: Have you seen, Jarek, I feel like we must have talked about this, when they did the Postal Service 10th anniversary thing, the Postal Service auditions
1: Yes, thing. yes. Did I ever show you that? No, I, I saw it. They got a crazy amount of people on they actually got mark Marin on yep. it they got tom De- they got tom delong duff mckagan moby yeah amy Mann, like weird, Al.
0: weird out dude crazy yeah it's really great i love that thing and john daly is like the record exec in it yeah. too oh, i didn't realize I, I love that him. he's so funny oh my gosh but those are my peaches
3: I mean, it sounds great. Okay, everybody gets the peaches part. Well, wait, we haven't heard Sean's peaches.
0: Yes, Sean <laughs> Sean needs to peach.
2: I honestly was relieved when you started going on. <laughs> so just like self-imposed pressure, I'm Thought feeling. You got away
3: with it, huh? Yeah. Peach
0: pressure is real.
2: No, I think a peach for me is my brother and his wife moved to New York last summer. And now that I am home from the road, I'm really getting to enjoy like having first-layer family in the city. They live in Bushwick, actually. So... I am up in Harlem. It's cool to have like a spot in Brooklyn now that is a little more yeah. like home. It's like an hour on the train, but worth the trip now that there's an outpost there. Him and I are doing some music together. He's an audio engineer. I was telling Brian and a drummer and just very cool to see like, oh, you're my brother and what that collaboration can be like. So that's a definite peach for me that he's here. Very close with him. Love him. Nice. To pieces. Mm, let's see. Another Peach. I have been cooking a lot more. I, I'm pretty good at cooking. My my dad was a, a cook at home. You know, nothing formal, but like made a lot of the dinners and sort of higher level. And am doing that more both as like resolution. Like, do I need to piss forty dollars away on like McDonald's delivered, or can I <laughs> right, like right. make something for you know a, a more rational amount? And I'm really enjoying that. It's like eating more different things and like now doing it for about a month, it's like, oh, this doesn't feel necessarily like I'm like sort of sacrificing anything. And I have like that freed up that income or that money in the bank account that just bleeds without noticing it when you're in one of those mm-hmm. ordering mm-hmm. habits. Mm-hmm. So it has felt like one of those, wow, I haven't like saved money in a way that has felt like, oh, this is so hard, like a diet of any to kind, but it's like there it is. It's just there because it isn't going into that. So that's a weird, like very personal, but very tangible peach. Yeah. Those are peaches, I'd say.
0: Cool. You got one more in you? Sure. Yeah. I would say
2: I had a good holidays this year. Got to be with my family and my girlfriend's family together for the first time. And that was very good. And my brother was there as well and her brothers. And so that was a a peach that is meaningful. Yeah. That's great.
3: That was perfect. You got it.
2: Thank you. Thank you.
3: <laughs> well, okay, well, that was only part one. So now we have the second part. Oh, no. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, so after peaches comes lemons. It's a little bit easier, though, because there's only one lemon each. And your lemon's gonna be something that uh, is really getting your goat, wrestling your jimmies. You get the picture. Um, uh-huh. Mine is, I'm fucking over technology, you guys. Like, I fucking hate wires. I can't wait for everything to be wireless. I talk very badly to all of my electronics, but I talk nicely to my AI.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: I've noticed Alexa started thanking me now when I say thank you to her. That's a very interesting new feature.
2: Oh, that's nice. Wow, That's, that's nice. ethical of you, I feel like, you know? <laughs> well, <I> mean, <laughs> to treat her nicely, I'll be least. nice to her, and
3: then my husband will be like, don't be nice to her, and then I'll like immediately just like be mean to her to even it out, so don't worry at all. The robots are put in their place. <laughs> um, but technology has really been getting to me lately. I don't know, just like I've been, been fighting a lot of machines, can't deal with it really longing for running away into the woods and just creating a cabin and only talking to crows. (laughs) Um, So that's what I'm feeling these days. That's kind of my lemon. I don't know. What about you guys? Do you guys have a lemon going on?
0: I do have a lemon. And, you know, I'm glad we did the peaches first, which is unusual for this show. But for me personally, it is perfect today because to understand this lemon, I need to talk about my PS5, Mm -mm -mm. which was my peach. So I was very excited. A friend of the show, The Amazing Gene Park, has been talking for a while about the new Ratchet & Clank game as one of his favorite games on the PS5. I got the Ratchet & Clank game. I played for 10 minutes, and I was immediately dizzy. No. Like, I felt motion sickness <laughs> from playing it. And I was like, God fucking damn, you know, it's $60 for this game. Yeah. And I was so excited to play it, and I got all of 10 minutes in, and I was like, I don't think I can do it. Oh I think it's God. given me motion sickness. Oh, that's the worst. And... Yeah. So I'm going to keep trying it. Maybe I was sitting at the wrong angle or whatever. But I was like, God, fuck. I have not had like a serious console in a while. Just, you know, just Nintendos for 20 years or whatever. Actually, this is my first ever non-Nintendo console. And I feel like a fake gamer because I can't handle Ratchet and Clank. <laughs> because it gives me motion sickness.
3: <laughs> Try playing it on, like, a yeah. full stomach because, like, I hear that helps with, like, seasickness. I wonder if it'll help with the gaming. Yeah.
0: It might. But I played Elden Ring, too, and that wasn't a problem. So maybe it's just the camera moves so fast. I think that's what it is. Yeah. So anyway, that's my alignment. I want to interject real quick since you interjected me. When I was a kid,
1: my friends and I, with a couple girls that we were, like, interested in at the time. Were their names Ratchet and Clank? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> um, we watched Cloverfield in like middle school. Oh, dude, don't and even. My dumbass decided to get a cream cheese pretzel. Wait, what is that? It's like a, a soft pretzel with cream cheese in it. On it or in it? In it, like stuffed.
0: Okay, great.
1: And we were like this to like, so we we're like that close to the screen. And if you've seen Cloverfield, it's gnarly. And I just remember puking in front of these girls because I got motion sick watching Cloverfield.
0: <laughs> I, I, we rented. I didn't see it in the theaters. We rented it at home. I had to leave the room multiple times yeah. because it made me so sick. Yeah. Like, yeah. And that was just the storytelling.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh,
3: my God. Well
1: done, Brian. Thank you very much.
0: Uh, you disclaimer,
2: very much. nothing against the Cloverfield yeah. people. No, for it's me. great. It's great. Yeah.
1: I'll roll with my lemon. I'll piggyback off of Susie's thing that my Mac mini 2018 um, has been giving me a bunch of shit lately. (sighs) Oh, no. Dude, I've called Apple support like three or four times. So my time machine keeps saying, backup not complete. You know, can't do this. Can't do that. That's the worst
0: feeling.
3: Yeah.
1: And I'm like, dude, like, I honestly feel... I don't want to throw shade, but I feel like I'm smarter than the Apple techs over the phone. I think that's probably 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 true. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Because every time they're just like, oh, have you tried this? Have you tried this? And I'm like, no, can you just get me like the like highest Apple support person you can? And then they do. And I spoke to Mm -hmm. one recently and then she was just like, oh yeah, have you tried this? Do this, this. And I'm like, if it doesn't work, you bring it into the shop. And I'm like, I've called like four times already about this specific thing. I'm like, the first time I called, they're like, it's your hard drive. So I got a new hard drive from my time machine. And then now they're saying, okay, maybe it so might be the hard drive.
0: Oh my I'm god. I'm like, you're
1: fucking kidding Ugh. me. And then like there are like other files, like WAV files, like which are like the standard for like the audio mm. um yeah. industry. And then this is another problem. Why can't I drag these certain WAV files? One out of every like fifty. Why can't I just back them up to like other drives? And she was like, Oh, I don't know, wave. Isn't supported by Apple. What? What are you telling? <laughs> WAVES is a PC file format. You're that's
2: kidding? The dumbest me. <laughs>
0: fucking thing I've ever heard. Yeah, yeah that's not real. There's nothing not more rude. frustrating than a customer service person who you know is wrong. You, yes. you yes. know <sighs> they are wrong. Oh my god.
1: Yeah. Like, so I was I was livid. Oh, livid technology. for sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I remember talking to one Apple tech person once to open up the terminal. Right. And they were like, oh, I can't Mm. tell you to do that. (laughs) And I'm like, dude, I I know Unix. Like, it's okay. I can do a Unix thing. Mm -hmm. And I get it because they don't want people opening up something where they can put in some Unix command that's going to fuck everything up forever. Yeah, right. But you have to, you know, reassure people, hey, I can deal with, like, some advanced stuff and I'm not going to freak out. (sighs) Yeah. Yeah. And you're, Jarek, you're a total gearhead, dude. You know gear. Yeah. Like yeah, you can handle I that. That's a, that is insulting. They are that's insulting you. It is. I'm like, I I know I'm smarter than you guys.
1: Just give up. And I'm looking yeah. at this thing that says backup, not completed. Time machine couldn't back up. It's like yeah. pissing me off. Every time I'm watching movies or shows at night, I'm like, have to keep swiping it out because I'm like, it's I sucks. get it. I get it. I get yeah. it. <sighs> Sean, what's your lemon? <laughs>
2: Oof. I would say a lemon for me is... In trying to do this music that I'm doing with my brother, his schedule and my schedule are oftentimes opposite. It's been good. I feel like a nice commitment, but it's it's slow going. And I think this is a lemon that I need because I think I've done art or other projects and things where I have really been focused on the result. And even if I'm still doing it, you know, pure and enjoying it. I think I've rushed through things and felt like, oh, I should have taken more time. But the slowness of this to me has been an ongoing challenge. That being said, I really think it's something I need. And I'm enjoying sort of what that slowness and that challenge, even the frustration, what that has been yielding when I have sort of met that and pushed through it not allowed it to turn into sort of... Mm -hmm self-indulgent negative spiraling and just be like, no, you, you understand why you want it to be done fast and understand why it shouldn't be and, and move through that adult Sean, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So the lemons for me are like being an adult and showing up for myself in adult ways. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. it's a lemon to do them. It's really worth it. And it's a new territory for me. Yeah. So yeah. that's great. kind of a sort of, you said yeah. rotten peach, Jarek, that's like a sweet yeah. lemon,
0: I'd say. A sweet lemon. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Being an adult sucks. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah it, it really does. does. And then <laughs> right. sometimes as an adult, you have a child and it's like, oh, wait, now I need to be more of an adult. <laughs> oh, yes. Absolutely, yeah. Like, God you damn it. You have more adult yeah,
3: responsibility on your shoulders, yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. Yes. And I deeply want that someday. So I'm glad that I'm sort of like dealing with some of the, hey, this is what yep. it feels like to be an adult prior to that jump in the deep end, which, you know, will still be a plunge.
0: I feel like it's, it's gotta it's be. It's It's great you know i certainly can't really complain uh-huh. cuz i love mm. being a dad but yeah. yeah it's it being a parent is annoying at, you know <laughs> yeah. at the best of times yeah <laughs> Dude, Sean, thank you so much for being here with us today. It has really been a joy to talk to you. You know, I, I just wanted to say thanks for taking the time and, and for being here.
3: Thanks, Sean. Likewise,
0: this was so
2: much fun just chatting. You guys really got a good energy going on here. Jarek, thank you for sort of making the time for me when we had Absolutely. the snafu last week and so wonderful. Yeah,
0: of course, the weekend it, things come yeah. up. So no, no worries at all. Yeah, Sean, if people
1: wanted to find you, follow what you're doing, what you're up to, do you want to plop? Plug anything that you're doing your social media I mean they can follow my Instagram
2: at Sean Grandillo. I'm posting less and less, which you know I, I, is healthier for me and but that will be where ultimately when I'm doing things that I do really care about, I will use it and try to do it in that productive way. so if you'd like to follow along, I can't promise any output or anything like that, but like I'm excited to share this show because like this is. This is tangible and real, and I feel a lot more myself in this kind of format. So, thank you for giving yeah. me that, honestly, and to meet a bunch of new people. This is like this is a major peach
0: right here. Ay. I love it. So
3: good.
0: Well, that's awesome. Yeah, it's nice to get to uh,
3: meet you and get to know you and hear all about Oklahoma.
0: Oklahoma, yes, Oklahoma. Well, well pronounced. Susie, <laughs> so do you have any parting words for the listeners?
3: Just be kind to one another and wear your seatbelt. And please, please, please spay and to your pets.
0: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. I agree with everything except the seatbelt belts. <laughs> like,
3: what?
0: <laughs> they're a scam. Oh. All right, gotta go. <laughs> Bye. 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 Late Night is produced by Brian Wecht, Leighton Gray, and Jarek Centeno. Follow us on Twitter at Leighton Night, on Instagram at Leighton underscore night, or email us at Leighton Night at gmail dot com.